Remains of 15-year-old Raynham resident Mary so this is declassified and we are here again talking about creepy ass places which is one of my fave topics mm -hmm. and we are missing our two other classy ladies uh cheryl and renee who are doing important life shit and needed uh Suze and i to fill in and we were happy to do so because creepy places is a really fun topic yeah it really is and there's endless Endless, endless stories. Yes, which we will probably do a lot more episodes oh, yeah. on this because Can this be was a segment. super fun. Exactly. You know. Um, so we will start um, in California in a little town called Placerville. Is so, there, do you know somebody that is from there? I might. I was not born there. Um, I was raised there. And Placerville is literally, if you look at the map of California and the crook where it like bends. So it's, yeah, yeah. So Lake Tahoe is in the is in the armpit is in the little crook mm -hmm. next to Nevada. And if you drew a straight diagonal line, San Francisco is on this end. Mm -hmm. And if you plopped a finger in almost the middle of a diagonal line, you would be in Placerville. Placerville is. <laughs> One hour away from Lake Tahoe, <laughs> one hour away from Sacramento, and two hours away from San Francisco. San Francisco. Okay. Woohoo! I made it. I there. made it. Um, so it is, Placerville is El Dorado County's seat, which El Dorado County is a big county that encompasses like parts of the outskirts of Lake Tahoe and many other towns up through Sacramento. Um, it's often listed as one of the most haunted places in America because of its long history and notorious beginnings, um, because Placerville was known as old Hangtown. 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 Not like Hang Loose Town, but Hangtown, which is where the men who stole gold got hanged and it was um in about 1896 right when the gold rush was happening and most of the gold was found in coloma which is the town right next to us mm -hmm. but placerville is like the big city and so <laughs> the um men that would get in trouble for stealing gold or the outlaws would come to placerville to be hanged and there was still... Like, for stealing gold? Yes. Yes. And the crazy thing is, is that um, growing up, you always heard it was called Old Hangtown. There was Hangman's Tree Bar, which is a total awesome dive bar mm -hmm. in town. And the 
um, Hangtown tree was cut down in 1853 um, because people objected to the public hangings. You know, they weren't yeah. They weren't into watching it anymore. Yeah, like I can see that. What year was that? 1853? 1853. That's and like so they decided to get a little a more long time ago. Nope. They decided to get a little more civil, and so they cut down the tree, and the um, stump of the tree is still in the, in the saloon, the oh, hangman's tree. Yeah. Okay. And there's a plaque. It's a historic. It's part of the historical registry. It's really awesome that my hometown can be known for hanging men. Yeah. And in reality, we only hung 20 outlaws. So it's not like old hang town it was like a slew of like one after another after another so that's the legend of the hangman's noose and the hangman's tree uh just across the street is an old hotel called the carry hotel and it sounds creepy yeah right (laughs) and i actually i spent the night there after a wedding and um a director of marketing and public relations um, has told people that it's famous because Stan, who was the alcoholic hotel desk clerk. Dream that, position. Right? Drunk, <laughs> drunk hotel clerk. Right? You just hang out. Perfect. You, you see the gold people coming in and out. Yeah. And, uh... Get drunk with them. He liked to pinch women's asses. That was his thing. What a guy. And so, one day, um, a guy wasn't real stoked on his wife getting pinched in the ass, so he decided to stab Stan. Stan? Stab? Stab. Stab Stan. Stabby Stan. So, he stabbed Stan, and um, Stan died on the hotel front steps. And apparently his spirit has remained at the hotel and along Main Street looking for drinks at long shuttered saloons and occasionally pinching people. Um, Oh my god. The room most reported as being haunted at the Carey House is room 212 where Arnold Weedman, it's kind of a good name, (laughs) a 19th century coach driver, died of the flu. Or influenza. Mm-hmm. Um, Hardy says the Teamster's wife and baby lived in the room following his death, which is a little creepy. Yep. And wait, they didn't live there before, and then they, they just decided now he's died here. I, I want to move in. No, I think they did live with him. Okay. But it's it's very it's weird. And then once they died, apparently they are also haunting the room, searching for their husband. So they're almost like they're all three lost souls okay. in the same room. Yeah. Um, but it's a little crowded. There. Yeah, it's very. Um, but it says that they're benign and friendly, though they are clearly unsettled. As would I be if I was one of the guests. As much as I love the ghost stuff, it is rather scary when you're actually like dealing with it. Yeah, I don't think. Like, I've only ever had one experience that I would say could have been, like, a ghostly experience, so I can't really... So my house was haunted back in Placerville. We had um, old bricks from the, like, 200-year-old Catholic church, 
in our entryway and our fireplace and we had a babysitter that like babysat since we were little babies so she but she told my mom she hated babysitting at our house and my mom was like why and she's like you know us you know and she goes yeah. your house scares the hell out of me really yes and is it like big or it's it was colonial like no style? it was it was everything in california is mm. way newer than it True. is out here yeah yeah and we built it in the um late 70s and so it was like a modern house right. and it wasn't it was like 2800 square feet but it wasn't like yeah. airy or yeah, like yeah, scary yeah. that way and she hated it. And so we had so many weird things happen at our house when we were growing up. But it was never, like, evil, mm. you know? So it was kind of like the same thing here. They were yeah. benign and friendly. But it was unsettling. Unsettling. Yeah. yeah. So um, the other uh, ghost that travels around the downtown streets of Placerville mm -hmm. is Daryl. The remorseful bearded hangman. Mm. So he feels yeah. bad. Because, I would too. Yeah. Because he hung all these guys. And so he roams the streets in jeans and a flannel shirt. So he'd be way in yes. these days. Super trendy. You probably have seen him a lot. <laughs> and you just don't know. Right. He's a hipster. Um, and then there was also a female spirit smelling of lavender um, that would walk in and out of shops that did not sell lavender products at all. Um, then there is Gothic Rose Antiques. So there's a lot of antique stores in Placerville mm, as well, yeah. which the theory is is that spirits settle on the antiques, and then when you buy them, they go to their new home. Okay. So Gothic, Gothic Rose Antiques is frequented by Aunt Blanche, one of the golden girls, maybe. <laughs> um, an apparition who seems at ease, perpetually perusing its gothic decor. Singing is heard from coming from Placerville Soda Works, uh -uh. which was another famous building. And there's also a phantom kitty that lives there, which I know you're a cat lover, Sue, so that's a little scary. Yeah. I mean, I like my cat. Right. <laughs> right. You don't want the ghost kitty? No, I think I'll leave it. And there's also men playing cards sometimes that gather near a tunnel on a hot August Sunday afternoon. Gotcha. And it gets damn hot in Placerville in the summer. Um, but the Carey House, there's also a woman who is seen as a form dressed in white. And the Bridgeport Inn's white lady forever haunts one of the hotel rooms. She was a bride who hanged herself. After learning that her minor husband, not like a minor as in like a no, 16 no, no, year old, yeah. a minor who found gold. Mined for things. Yes. Had been murdered on his way back while carrying the gold he discovered. Uh, yeah, that's like so that's just, more dangerous yep, than getting the gold. Yep. So there's just, there's a lot of sadness in these ghosts in Placerville. Mm -hmm. And... So we travel down the road in the guy's buggy. In the buggy. Clop, clop and clop. <laughs> and we go to the vineyard house in Coloma. The vineyard house is a scary ass house. Um, like the haunting on Hill House. <gasps> yeah. It's like that. It's like a no. Victorian old mansion. And it is 
known historically to be haunted. It's a pretty fucked up story, Susie. Okay. So bear with me. All right, I'll buckle in. Um, it's the town where gold was founded, and it's in Placerville's backyard. It was. It's home to the American River, a Class Four Rapids River, and Sutter Mill, where James Marshall first found gold. They were part of the 49ers, and this is a fun fact. Mm-hmm. Um, they were named 49ers because of the 1849 migration to the West to find gold. Gotcha. So San Francisco 49ers, thus the name. Cool. They estimate over 300,000 people came out West to the gold rush. So the Vineyard House was a Victorian mansion, as I said, that was built in the 1800s, owned by Robert and Louisa Chalmers. And does that not sound like a freaking horror movie name right off the bat? Yeah. Um, They were trying to make wine, and they had a lot of luck with the vineyards at first, but like all vintners, they had a few years of Mm, bad crops. Yeah. And then the luck just started getting worse. Their young children started dying one after another, because back in the day, yeah. as they did from tuberculosis or whatever the disease, the flu, um, they just started dying. So then Robert started getting some kind of weird brain disease, and he started to lose his sight and his mind. So he, this is like Amityville Horror. It is, but it, like, it, the, and this place... I can't wait to get to the, Ugh, the real part. chills already. He was declared insane. And you know what his loving wife decided to do? She chained him to a wall in the basement in a cell. And what? I, I am not joking. That, stel- that cell is still there today. And it is a popular place. And this is seriously no joke. To bring kids for a field trip. What? How Why? fucked up must we be in Placerville if, no, that's where I went for my fifth grade field trip to the Vineyard House to basically scare the crap out of kids. It was, it was paired at, or it was po- posed as a gold trip, like go to yeah. Sutter Mill and see where mm-hmm. gold is founded. But then it culminates at eating lunch in this fucking murder house. Ugh. So, and it's also, like, it's literally no wonder that I'm drawn to weird shit. Because yeah. this is what we did. This was the instigating thing. Yes. In fifth grade. Um, so, he became paranoid and thought his wife was trying to poison him. Well, no shit. You're chained to a wall, so I would too. Yeah. And eventually he died of starvation. Oh, my God. Louisa needed money to survive, so she turned the upstairs into an inn. Maybe she should have thought about that before she fucking starved her husband. Right? One guest became so frightened when he was um, an inner there, or boarder, he up and left in the middle of the night. Eventually, she died in 1901, and the house went from owner to owner. And I think it's because, like, weird shit just kept happening. They kept it going as an inn, and many, many people complain of sightings, hauntings, or weird happenings. So when I was on my fifth grade field trip, Mm -hmm. and this is no joke, no lie, no exaggeration, I went to the bathroom while we were eating lunch, and there was a frosted window um, where I was tinkling, and um, I heard 
a basketball being dribbled and I saw a shadow of somebody shooting hoops. And I was like, that's awesome. They have a basketball court out there. Maybe we can go because I like, enjoyed mm-hmm. I enjoyed shooting a hoop or two. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Oh, yeah I was a baller. <laughs> so um, I came back and I asked the waitress when I got back to my lunch, how do we get to the basketball court? And she looked at me and she said, there is no basketball court. And I said, no, 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 the one that's, like, connected to the bathroom. And she's like, there's no basketball court there. It's the kitchen. And I was like, come with me. And I I made her go with me to the bathroom because I was like, I heard it. It was, like, concrete, the backboard. I could hear it. I could see it. And she's like, it's the kitchen. And when I went back in there, it was the kitchen. What? Like, and I, I, I wasn't dreaming. I wasn't yeah. like, I have, I have the clearest memory. And I went home and I told my mom and my mom started laughing. Another reason why my family's creepy and likes fucked up things. She was like, oh yeah, that place is totally haunted. And I was like, mom, why don't they take little kids yeah. on field trips there? So... Yes. And I was also in a wedding. Okay. The babysitter I was talking about that didn't like our house. She got married and her reception and where she got ready for her wedding. Was that house? Was the vineyard house. (laughs) And it's because she knew. It's bad juju. But she knew the owners. And so I I think that like she probably felt friendly kindred spirits. Mm -hmm. And the downstairs... The cell is still there, and they, you know what they did? They made it into a bar. So people can go have drinks and be like, oh, that's where the crazy guy was locked up. That's fucked up. Right? Now do you see why I like weird shit? Can I just say that if, for whatever reason, I end up getting locked up in a fucking basement (laughs) by my spouse. I'll come save you. If, like, 200 years later, people are drinking... And like laughing about it. So this, so then you can get revenge, and you can fucking knock their beer on their lap. So that's this, happened, I that guess. Where a lot. there was um, other stories where the bar um, bar keeps saying that weird things keep happening when they set up for their shift, and like glasses break all the time. So I'm sure it's Robert Chalmers. Like, yeah, fuck like, all get y'all. Yeah. Out of here. Yeah. So it's quite famous, and it has appeared on many TV shows, and I have been I there look it up. numerous times, and look at it, because it looks like The Haunting on Hill House. What's it called again? The Vineyard House, in Coloma, California, in the backyard of Placerville. So Placerville has a great deal of history, like I said, from the gold rush, and one family that was very prominent in those days was the Schaefer's. They were quite successful and wealthy in the tumultuous days uh, that were the late 1800s. And the Schaefers could easily afford plots in the cemetery. So they bought their plots before they died, as rich people often do. The patriarch, Charles Schaefer, is buried there today alongside his daughter, Catherine, and another daughter named May, who died tragically young. Unknown, though, is why one of the Schaefer girls seems to have been buried alongside Eliza Taylor. Who is Eliza, and why does she share a grave with Catherine? 
Historians and town folks are undecided as to whether she was a close friend or an illegitimate child or a lover. So there's lots of weird things. But the thing is, is that Eliza haunts the Pioneer Cemetery. And this cemetery is a cemetery across the street from the Vineyard House. And where the Chalmers are buried. So this is one cemetery. I don't think I want to go visit. No. And apparently Eliza um, roams the cemetery and people see her all the time. And um, the visual manifestations aren't the only spooky things of, of Eliza, aren't the only spooky things happening in the graveyard. Cold spots are commonplace all around the cemetery. Which? Which is normal. Bring in there, <laughs> Um, What is the climate like there in the winter? So it's all, we get full four seasons, okay. kind of like here. Mm-hmm. But we, during the winter, snow is like, the most snow we would get is like four inches, maybe. It's like the ideal place. Right. And then Why don't sp- we all live there? Spring is really nice, but summer's really freaking hot. So, um, yeah, so these cold these cold patches are anomalies. It's not just the yeah. the weather. And uh, a ton of TV shows, like I said, if they're at the vineyard house, they're going to just walk across the street and be like, sweet, the most haunted cemetery, yeah. we'll get two for one. And the most dramatic occurrence was in the early 1990s. A family was cutting through the cemetery after a dinner um, out and was surprised when the mild weather turned bone-chillingly cold. Um, The normal constant noise of crickets stopped dead, and a mist rolled in unnaturally fast. The family made it home and thankfully made it unscathed, but... I talked about it to this day that it was the scariest thing. I would pee my pants. Right? Like that's I like would, a, I honestly don't know what I would do in that situation. Like when faced with something supernatural, right? I don't know if I would run, scream, be, be paralyzed. See, I'm afraid I would be paralyzed. Me too. And like, literally, like, what do I do? What do but I do? What do I do? Also, if you run, you don't ever see what it is that's happening and then you never know and then you never know and you might think that you were just crazy yeah no so i don't know what's worse it's all pretty bad and um placerville is a great place to visit for the paranormal enthusiast yeah i want to go aside from dramatic schaefer hunting and the ghosts of the vineyard house and the gangsters and outlaws in the streets of placerville um the town loves its spooky past, and many of the residents are still happy to regale visitors with the yeah. tales. So there you have my hometown of Placerville, California. Sometimes, and most times, horribly mispronounced as Plasterville. And of course, in high school, we had a it's good, Placerville. It's Placerville. Yeah. Placer meaning, um, I think it means gold. Mm-hmm. So, um, it's Plasterville, not Plasterville. Plasterville. So where are we going next, Suze? So, 
We're bringing it back to the East Coast. The East Coast. It's West Coast, East Coast. Yeah. That's what we should name this episode. I know. Um, yeah, actually to a town called Danvers, Massachusetts. Where which, is Danvers? You know. Help me out here. I probably should have. Is it north of here? Is yes. It south? Oh, you know what? It, it's near Salem. Oh, okay. So it's North Shore. Okay. I do. All I know is that I do go attend a lot of hockey rinks up there, but yeah. if you ask me where any of these towns are, I'm like, I just go in the car. I don't know. I think it's like near Peabody, Salem, okay. that area. Say no more. Um, for those of you not from the area, it's north of Boston. Um, so my assistant for this episode was My American Odyssey's Malcolm Logan, which is a fucking awesome name. I don't know if it's real, but if not... But who cares? Like, props to choosing a great pen name. Uh, who wrote a great article about how ra- the random town of Danvers, Mass, is super fucking creepy. Who, like, did not expect... That when I googled creepiest places in America, or creepiest towns <laughs> in America. That you would get your backyard. That I would find one in my backyard. Yeah, because I live in Somerville, so I'm not too, too far away. We'll start off with a more current story of a man named Stephen Ansastasi, which is <laughs> real difficult to say. Because <laughs> it's a lot of S's and T's, and I think you did a great job. Thank you. You're welcome. I'm really not sure if I said it right. That's okay. Let's just go with it. So sometime around 10.30 a.m. on the morning of Saturday, November 12, 2011. Oh, this is recent. Very recent. Yeah, we're going to bring it back. Okay, so I I was in the gold. want to start off. Okay. Yeah, so we're in the 2000s. Okay. A 24-year-old Danvers, Massachusetts man knocked on his neighbor's door. When the neighbor opened the door, the man took the cat he was carrying under his arm and tossed it into the neighbor's house. Okay. That alone, as you do, that would freak the fuck out of me because I'm not a big cat person. Nor am I, really. Having something with claws coming at you and being thrown in your face, what'd you do? No. Startled, obviously. (laughs) The neighbor asked him why he was doing that. The man replied, because of the aliens. They're in the woods killing people. We need to save the cats. Because that would be your first concern, I'm sure. Exactly. Totally. So the neighbors knew Stephen and Sasasti. He had been in and out of trouble with the police and was known to be a bit peculiar. At this bizarre pronouncement, they thought it best to accompany him home and to have a word with his father to see if he needed help. (laughs) That's that's very really mighty sweet. nice of them. Right? <laughs> Especially since they just got their eyes almost clawed out by a cat. Precisely. I thought so too. But when they got to the house, Stephen abruptly announced that his father wouldn't be answering the door. The aliens got him, he said. He's dead. <laughs> and indeed, he was. 60-year-old John Anastasi Ansasasti. Just say John. A. John A. John A had been bludgeoned repeatedly with a hammer and stabbed twice in the neck. Stephen was the killer. His son. But those aliens must have had something to do with it. I know. Well, three months later, he still continued to maintain his innocence, insisting that the aliens had done it. Cool. So, Mr. A, Jr., 
has since pleaded guilty to second degree murder, which carries a life sentence, but w- but he will be eligible for parole in 15 years. It sounds like a, it was really a case of mental illness, judging by the fact that he stated in court, there's nothing I can do to bring my father back. He was a great person. I miss my father, and I never meant for this to happen. Which Ooh, is really that is sad. sad. It seems like he was high on heroin at the time of the murder, and therefore his lawyer argued that he had a lack of criminal responsibility, hence the second-degree murder charge as opposed to first-degree, and why he can be up for parole in 15 years. Yeah, Which, I'm not sure. That's, I'm like, not, such a fucking cop-out. Yeah, I... I was like, high. Like, you still did it. Yeah, exactly. It's just, uh, like... It doesn't matter what your state of mind was. Yeah. You did it. Yeah. That's just the latest in an apparently really long history of mental illness in the small community, and it gets pretty dark. So we're going to take it back. We're going to rewind the tape to the 1600s. Wow. Danvers was grappling with the question of what to do with the insane people in their midst. Yeah. The early solution for Danvers, as it was for other early colonial comedies, communities, comedies, (laughs) comedies? It's a comedy. Totally not, because they decided to auction them off. Wait, what? Yeah. Go back. Yeah, auction them off. Auction the people off? Yeah. For what? For whatever you wanted them for. That is so fucked up. Yep. So we know the levels of abuse. So was this, this is after the Salem Witch Trials. This was around that time. Yeah. That is so fucked up. Mm -hmm. We know Puritan life was no walk in the park, but apparently it was so difficult that there was just no room for people considered mentally unstable. However, enough of them existed that a policy developed that said if a sane person wants to buy the services of one of these people, they can be purchased from the community at large and become the property of the purchaser to do with as they wish. Well, let's bring slavery back. Mm Mm-hmm. Nice. But if they are not purchased, they fall back on the community, which resulted usually resulted in them being driven out to face the elements and die. Because New England weather and weather winter is so Yeah. Oh my goodness. Yeah. So really fucked up. Yeah. This continued for over 200 years. That's not that long ago either, Suze. I'm aware. Oh my god. Yeah. So... Um, in the 1800s, Dorothea, Dorothea Dix, a former... Dix? Yeah. Such an unfortunate Wait. name. <laughs> How is that spelled? D-I-X. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's okay. Yeah. A, a Massachusetts reformer I remember learning about in elementary school. Really? Yeah. I remember learning about her. I don't remember a lot about her, but I remember her name because it's so unusual. Because <laughs> you guys were all snickering. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Um, she founded the Danvers State Mental Hospital to provide a safe place for the mentally ill to be housed and treated. That's nice. On the surface. Yeah. Seems like a really good idea. Yeah. Step in the right direction. Totally. 100%. But here's where it gets a little graphic. So trigger warning for those who might get a little queasy at the thought of medical procedures or eyeballs. Oh, God. That's right, kids. We're talking about lobotomies. Oh. So if you get a little icky about brain matter, maybe fast forward about two minutes. So lobotomies 
were developed by a young American neurologist named Walter Freeman with the help of Portuguese doctor Antonio Igas Moniz. Freeman introduced the procedure rapidly in the United States, performing 200 lobotomies in just six years, almost before anyone noticed. Oh, God. Yeah. Before 1942, he was casting around for a way to speed things up, presumably to get even more lobotomies to his credit. He hit on the approach pioneered by Italian psychiatrist named Amaro Fiamberti, who gained access to his patients' brains through their eye sockets. So, like, it's a little brutal here. Fair warning. They would take a long metal pick, insert it into the corner of each eye, oh my god, press down and swirl it around, cutting the connections to the prefrontal lobe in the cerebral cortex. Oh my god. Yeah. <laughs> swirl it around. Just, just make like a you're a fucking mixologist yes. at the local saloon. Yeah, just swirl it around. Oh my goodness. Yeah. So Freeman became such a free freewheeling purveyor of these so-called ice pick lobotomies that he, though this is unbelievable, so stay with me here. Okay. That he actually traveled from asylum to asylum in the van that he called, can you guess it? Um, the van's name? Yeah. Um, no, but it's probably really good. The Lobotomobile. Oh, God. Yeah. The Lobotomobile. That's, that's it? For reals? Yeah. In 1940. 1840. Nine, no, 1940. That's what I thought. Yeah, 1942. Yeah, it was like 1840. Did, I don't know. They had stagecoaches, I think. Yeah, yeah, so. yeah. Sorry. We have a mobile lab right now. So we've got a lobotomobile going place to place, charging $25. Only 25 bucks for a procedure. Which then I'm sure you can get a lobotomy and you can get a lobotomy. So he just left, like, dozens of zombie people in his wake. Yeah, so we'll get to that. So he took his show on the road and arrived at Danvers State Hospital, where there was about 2,000 patients. So... Is it that big? Or did they just, like, overcrowd it? Well, it could fit 500. Oh, yeah. So there were 2,000 people in there, outnumbering the staff at a crazy rate, and frenzied violence occurred amidst an environment of blood, filth, and feces. Just everywhere. And then here comes a man with a solution. So Danvers probably just jumped right onto that lobotomobile. Yeah. Some reportedly got better. Many showed no signs of improvement. And others, like Rosemary Kennedy, sister of JFK, were reportedly rendered vegetables. Yeah. Oh, my God. So she got one from this guy? Yep. Oh, my God. Lobotomized patients wandered the hallways like zombies. Although their violent outbursts may have been curtailed, the generally hellish atmosphere could only be reduced by alleviating the overcrowding. Still, Freeman rolled on. His partner, James Watts, eventually split with him, objecting to needle needless needles. Oh, I'm like needles? <laughs> he didn't like needles? He should have gone out that a was long a, time uh, ago. That was a... Brain. Freudian slip. Yes. Uh, so, objecting to needless cruelty and overuse of the procedure. Indeed, by the 1960s, lobotomies were being given 
cavalierly sometimes to teenagers who acted up in school. Oh, that's smart. The 1960s. Because they didn't have Adderall yet. Exactly. So We don't know what to do for ADHD. I don't even know what this is, but he's an asshole, so I'm going to give him a lobotomy. Right. So, and that's exactly what happened. So in the mid-70s, when antipsychotic drugs were introduced to the public, Danvers began cutting back (laughs) on its population because they didn't, people were getting help and they didn't need to have I thought you were going to say they were cut back on the lobotomy. No. (laughs) They probably kept going. Okay. Um, And in 1992, closed down altogether. Um, So one thing as I was like, I was reading about this was this guy, albeit he did barely enough research, testing, general thinking, whatever, but it sounds like he truly thought that he had found the cure for mental illness or whatever they were calling it at the time. So, like... While you're thinking this guy's a total asshole, it's like he was thought if he was I had right. discovered this, who's to say that I wouldn't like go around right. trying to scramble people's brains if I thought that it, it was cured helping cancer or something, you yeah. know? So I it's tried just to keep so a fucked little up bit with of an what, open mind. Like what we know today, mm-hmm. and like, well, hindsight's twenty twenty, yeah, right? Exactly. So, for 15 years, the hospital remained standing, abandoned, and getting increasingly creepy over time. And the story of Danvers State Hospital inspired movies like Section, Section, Session 9 and books like Project 17 and H.P. Lovecraft's The Thing on the Doorstep. In 2005, the property was bought by Avalon Development and turned into an apartment complex. Oh my god. No. No. Because there's probably a ton of people, like, hanging out, souls of unrest. Oh, 100%. No, thank you. And I, you know what's, okay, so sidebar here. So Avalon right. Development, they have They make them all everywhere. over. Yeah, because there's a nice one in Somerville, because my sister-in-law used to live there. There's also one in Belmont, I believe. That's where the other right. crazy house is. Yes! Was. That is where... So that's still standing. It is. One of the buildings is still standing. I use that road that road, um I can't remember what they call it, but that road that it goes that goes through, through it. Yes. I use that road to get to work sometimes. So yep. I drive by it all the time and Avalon is where all the dorm areas used to be. So like Avalon development, I don't know if there's something weird going on there. They're probably getting it for cheap and and yeah. selling it for high markup value or renting it for a high markup value. So that'd be interesting to know like what the rate of Oh my goodness. Yeah. Um so most of the buildings were torn down, but the imposing Victorian facade of the main building was retained and incorporated into the new structure. And that, my friends, is scary the town ass. of Danvers and all the creepy ass true real shit that happened there. It's it, like if you dig like not even deep, you just like barely scratch yeah. the surface and you're like, oh shit. How so how did you stumble on this for the topic? I literally Googled creepiest towns in America. And that came up. Yeah. 
One so of the I first Googled hits. too. And the funny thing was, is Placerville was there and no one else would be like, I don't know even how to say this word. Right. And I'm like, oh, that's my hometown. Mm-hmm. Wow. So in the same like article that I was reading, it went into, um, cause Danvers is really close to Salem. Yep. And so there are links between Danvers and the Salem Witch Trials, but I figure we'll leave that for another for time. another time because that is like a whole other thing to unpack yes. in and of itself, which I think would be really interesting. Um, but yeah, so that is uh, my story. I love it for the day. And since you took the bullet and went first last time, uh, yep, for the fuck go. that you get, yep. I will also. Give a fuck that I already told you about, but it's really not that great or important, but self-care. Right. Um, so I downloaded this, um, not an app, but it's some like sort of program. program for your computer called Flux that changes the temperature of your screen throughout the day so that it's not as harsh on your eyes uh-huh. and that for someone with really poor sight who works on a computer all day, it's been really helpful for me, and I have been getting less headaches, and it's a nice little piece of advice to all those producers out there. Who stare at a computer all day. Who stare at a computer all day. No, that's awesome, because I get headaches all the time, so I think I need to uh, download that. Yeah. It's just F-L-U-X? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep. Awesome. Um, one of the fucks I give is that I have been... Um, getting a lot of recommendations for new shows to watch. Mm-hmm. Overwhelming amount. Of overwhelming amount. That I'm like, I don't have this much time, but I want to make time because uh, there's just so much interesting content out there yeah. these days, as we've talked about before on our podcast. But uh, there is a docuseries I want to watch called Abducted in Plain Sight. Have you heard of this? And I, oh yes, and it's about no, I, Idaho, my I other it. home state away from home state, and so you it. did watch it. So there is a meme going around that my girlfriend sent me that is of Steve Carell from The Office, Michael Scott's face, like the four, like face, like crazy faces he makes because it's like this is me watching abducted mm-hmm. in plain sight. So is it as fucked it up is- as? Fucking wild. Me and that's my boyfriend it. were watching it, like, yes, just so looking at each other, like, how the... So my friends... Every time you think it can't get wor- weirder. worse or weirder, it does. Yes, and that's why my friend my friend Liz was like, this is much watch TV for the kind of shit that you like yes. to, like, listen to and, and see. And she goes, but you will seriously want to throw something at the TV half the time. This, that's like a perfect case or illustration of truth is stranger than fiction. Yep. Because it's you couldn't. It's, it's those stories that you feel are made up, but they're, they're not. Yeah. And that is scary. And I know that it's about an, an Idaho town and a guy that I think they might be from the Mormon community. Um, yeah, I think and he is. She told me like the baseline of it, and I was just like, "Okay, I gotta watch. I gotta watch. You have to watch." And then um, the new season of True Detective is super good with yeah, um, watch it. Mahershal Ali. Mahershal, Mahershal Ali. Ali. Yes. 
He is so good. Yeah. And uh, Stephen Dorff, who, like, was big in the not early 90s, maybe, and then totally disappeared off the face of the earth. And he's back. And uh, it's just, it's really good. It's really creepy. It's about um, two kids that get taken. And you find out slowly how that unfolds. And some people don't like this, but I like this about True Detective is that it goes in different timelines and you don't really know what timeline you're in. I like that. And if you're not paying attention or you don't like to think too hard when you watch TV, this might not be for you. But it's really cool because you can tell what time it period it is by his hairdos. And they're very subtle, but it's enough to know that you can place the time. And then the two other FBI detectives that are famous character actors that are on the other side of the table, you can also tell, like, by their hair and makeup how old they are. And it's just, it's very, very good, especially after season two of True Detective wasn't so hot. Yeah, I didn't even watch it because I heard that it wasn't good, and I was like, well, I can't waste my time. Yes. Season one was amazing. Season two, I watched the whole thing because I love Vince Vaughn and I love Rachel McAdams. Yeah, I do love them too. And so I was like, my favorite people are in this. I'm just going to push myself to watch it. It's just the characters weren't as great. The story wasn't as great. And this story is really tight. And I've watched three episodes so far, so I'm excited to Mm -hmm. continue that. But other than that, nothing else recommendation. No, it's February. People stay warm, stay happy, stay healthy. Stay classy. Stay classy. And follow us on social media, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, wherever you connect with the outside world. And you can rate, review, and subscribe uh, anywhere you get your podcasts. And tell your friends. We um, we love doing this so much. So please tell your friends if you are enjoying this. And pass, 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 along, uh, the pass along the word. The good word. The good word. Spread the good word. Okay. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks, guys. Bye.